Gale's open, they're away in the Golden Slipper, there's a great start, and Mick Mitt Basque on the extreme outside is about the first out, Jack Boyle. Jackler on the outside, lunging, but Catlin opening just in front, Jackler trying desperately, can't reach him. Catlin opening has lasted to win the Doncaster by a hit to Jackler. This Iron podcast is brought to you by Harness Racing New South Wales. Trainers strive to have horses spot on for race day. Fuel cells up, the right mental state, the right fitness levels. Equally important is the horse's capacity to recover quickly from racing and track work. The aim is to give owners every opportunity to win optimum prize money by keeping a horse in training for as long as possible. High Gain Recuperate is a powerful blend of electrolytes, B-group vitamins and vitamin E in paste form which can be administered after fast work and in the days leading up to a race to assist recovery. 30ml of Recuperate drawn from the 500ml bulk pack is the economical alternative to individual electrolyte and vitamin paste syringes. High Gain Recuperate powers performance and recovery. Visit the High Gain website and use promo code johntap.racing to receive 15% off your next Recuperate purchase. The New South Wales harness racing industry has had its share of major setbacks in recent years but continues to bounce back. Modest but very welcome prize money increases this year have heartened participants who obviously hope the trend continues from 2022 onwards. Throughout its history in Australia, the trotting sport has always revolved around the magic of the horse. Veteran trotting horsemen and women seem to be addicted for life, and all over Australia, scores of younger people continue to be captivated. Go to any registered meeting in the land and take note of the number of young girls and boys out on the track driving the paces and trotters. I've met many people in the sport over a long period of years who are completely and utterly addicted to the training and driving of standard-bred horses. I've yet to meet one with more unbridled passion than Troy Williams, a recent recruit into the ranks of full-time trainers. Troy is 40 years old, he works a team of 20 horses from a property at South Windsor and he prepares them on a unique 1,600-metre track, a stone's throw from the famous Hawkesbury Racecourse. He followed another career path for close to 15 years but returned to the industry 18 months ago when redundancy packages were offered to staff. He's been winning races left, right and centre in recent months and couldn't be happier. People like Troy Williams have been keeping this game afloat for decades. I'd like you to meet him. Troy, thanks for your time on a Sunday morning. Yeah, no worries at all, Tappy, and thanks very much for that kind intro. Every word of it was true, my boy. Now, you did it again on Thursday night at Penrith. Little Bliss saluted. Yeah, she did. She's... uh... She's not a bad little mare, you know, honest as they come. And, uh, you know, she's put in two wins out of her last three starts in a second. And we seem to have found the sort of key to her now. And, um, yeah, nice and honest for owners, which, you know, is, is all you can ask for in this game. Well, you're on the crest of a wave. Black Edition has been a great flag bearer for the stable since coming from New Zealand. You've won five races with him. And it's certain there are more to come. He seems to have a bit of toughness about him, Troy. 
he's a very tough little three-year-old. Yeah, and um, you know, he's sort of lucky. Uh, Kerry Ann Morris and uh, and Rob Morris asked me to sort of take um, care of this horse for them. And um, you know, I think he's actually won three with me and two with them. But he's he's a very nice little animal and honest as they come. And he can do a power of work, and and he still keeps hitting the line strong. And he's a very nice little horse to look to in the future. Um, considering he's only a three-year-old, I think he'll get much stronger. Um, but, you know, a, a very nice little uh, stalwart in our stable at, at current. Mm. He's, he's the right sort of horse for a trainer watching on a TV monitor or sitting up in the stand. Uh, you know, when he spends a bit of petrol, you know there's a bit more where that came from. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, he's, as I said, he's honest and, you know, he, splends, he tends to get awkward barrier draws quite a bit. Uh, and has to use a bit of petrol to sort of work forward. And, but I think that's, um, you know, where we like to position him, as, position him as forward. And, you know, Rob Morris does a great job of driving him and, you know, sends him forward at the right time. And, you know, he, he packs plenty the last sort of last half. And, mm. you know, we're really happy with uh, what he's doing for us as well. Black Edition is owned by Mick Boots, <coughs> who is a businessman in Leeton in the Riverina. Uh, Mick loves his harness racing. He's got horses in several stables, I think. Yeah, he does. You know, he's he's a big supporter of the harness racing industry and and doesn't put all his eggs into one basket. He sends these horses to many a trainer, and I think that's really supportive of the industry and what he does for it. Um, you know, he's been supportive. You know, um, giving us Black Edition, and you know, I'm really happy that we're doing a job for him, and you know, he's happy with the horse as well. So it's great. You're the most recent of several trainers who've had shadow eclipse uh, during his career. You won a race at Penrith with him in July and his form since Troy has been good with little luck in his races. He just gives me the impression he's going to snare another one any night soon. Yeah, I think he will, Tappy. He's, uh, he's a nice, honest horse. He's just he's had zero luck his last sort of four or five and um, you know, he's putting good runs each time, um, just just not getting the right ounce of luck. And he's a horse that probably needs that little bit of luck in running. Um, but, you know, we haven't had it uh, recently. But I, I think he's knocking at the door. His next sort of two or three starts for sure. We're just – it's an he's sort of awkwardly rated at the moment where he sort of gets those bad barrier draws and mm. ends up sort of too far back in the run. Um, but, you know, he'll, he'll strike one very soon, I, I'm sure. We spoke about a little bliss – at the start of our chat, and uh, Little Bliss is owned by a man called Ron Littler. Uh, trotting people of my generation will well remember the Ace Saddlery harness track, which was a fixture on Sydney tracks for years and years and years. If you needed an item of gear at a race meeting, it was usually available at the track. Ron Littler was the man who founded Ace Saddlery and who came up with the idea of having a mobile harness truck on course at race meetings and, by golly, uh, it was a popular venue with trainers. Yeah, definitely. You know, it was, it's always handy to sort of grab those things you forget at last minute because we've got a lot going through our heads leading into a race meeting and uh, you get there and you can just grab and go and that's that was perfect for trainers for sure and, um, you know, often salaries were not as convenient as they are now. So uh, that was quite good. You know, you'd stock up and, and go from there. But, no, Ronnie's Ronnie's been a, a very good little supporter of our stable. We've got five in work for him now here at the moment, including Little Bliss and uh, a little two-year-old filly and mm. a horse by the name, of, a three-year-old by Better's Delight uh, called Touche, who I think mm. had six starts for us for four wins in a second. Yeah. Uh, 
he's he had a little bit, bit of a break and he's working back up now. So, um, you know, Ronnie's a real good little supporter and uh, you know he he's puts a lot of uh, a lot of money into the into the industry through his breeding and his racing and. You know, it's really well deserved to to get some of that back, and he's had a lot a lot of fun doing it, which is great. Aged geldings are not all that common uh, at the gallops, but in harness racing, uh, there's one hiding behind every tree, and you've got one of them, a rising twelve year old called Idle Hands. He's had a huge number of starts for several different trainers. I notice you won a race with him recently at Penrith, and you absolutely love this old boy. Yeah, he's a he's a real cool little dude, Tappy. Uh, you know, he's been in our stable a couple of times now, uh, on and off. And uh, you know, he's he's such an easygoing little horse. And um, you know, he's a horse that sort of has to be driven with plenty of cover and and just come at them with one dash. And um, you know, he's done a real good job for for connections and you know on both accounts. And uh, you know, I think he's sort of won races with every trainer he's been with. So you know. For a 12-year-old to sort of keep punching around and, you know, he's still run 156 here the other week at Penrith and, yeah. you know, for that sort of thing to keep happening, it's uh, he's done a stellar, stellar job and, you know, he's mm. he's straight-legged and clean as a whistle and, uh, you know, he'll keep pressing on as, as long as he stays sound and mm. he enjoys his racing and, and why not? He just loves to race. Mm. Troy, I can't get over the times they're running at Penrith and have been for the last two or three years now. I'm not kidding, like eight or ten years ago, uh, you'd get a, you know, a, an ordinary horse, you'd draw a barrier one or two and you'd say, this is his race, he'll go about 2-2 two, two or 2-3 two, and he should beat this lot. 2-2 two, two or 2-3, two, you wouldn't get it's hot. Un- yeah, it's unheard of now yeah. um, and it's bloody hard. Um, mm. So, you know, I think, I think, a lot of it comes down to, you know, a lot of the style of driving is probably mirrored from the Menangle facility. So mm-hmm. these young kids get on them these days and uh, they just let them run. And, um, you know, tracks are prepared, obviously, for speed and uh, the drivers let them run and, and, and they run time consistently, you know, even in, like you say, those battler races are still sort mm-hmm. of 58, 59s and, yeah. you know, you, you have to be running nowadays to to keep them in work and to earn a mm. check and no matter where you go um you can't beat time and they're running it so mm. it's a challenge some horses but uh i think it's definitely sort of come about through these bigger tracks and then coming back to the half mile tracks and yeah. the drivers are still driving them the same you know they're just letting them run there's there's mm. no sit up walk and sprint home it's it's flat mm. out from, from gates closed so mm. um you know, we've got to do our best to sort of maintain the horse to be able to do that week in, week out. And, you know, a little bit different training horses now. I think, you know, you don't have to do too much with them in between. It's it's keeping fresh because you mm. know that they're going to go out and get a pretty solid hit out in a race. Oh, absolutely. And you can't help but wonder how long they're going to last, Brett. Every individual horse, how long will his racing life be? Yeah, that look, that's definitely the challenge. And, um, you know, that's why I like to keep mine a lot fresher during the week. But, um, you know, I, I think it's, it is, you know, from a skeptic's point of view, it's, it's, it's a lot harsher on the younger horses too. Like you're seeing two year olds at Menangle go 52 and 53. And, mm. you know, do you ever see them come back later in life? Some, yes, the real good ones, but mm. a lot of them no. And I think that's, that, that's probably the scary part of the industry, but, you know, 
that's why I think there's definitely a place for tracks like Penrith, the half-mile tracks, still in our sport, mm. where horses can go there and not go these blistering speeds and yeah. they can sustain a long racing career. Penrith slows them up a bit. They've only got to go 156 now. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> oh, it's frightening. You've had a lot of fun with a young trotter called a fair de cover, which was meant to be a fair de coeur, an affair of the heart. But somebody in the office thought the U was a V. Doesn't matter now, Troy, because he's won four races, $60,000, and one of his wins was in torrential rain at Menangle. You would have been feeling nervous about a young trotter with water ripping across the track. He didn't care. No, he thrived in it, John. He, he, it was a bit scary prior. We were sort of ducking for cover, trying to, to stay dry. And I felt for the drivers and the horses out there in it, it was probably the worst rain I've seen on course. And um, a few of the connections and I suggested we might just split the prize money up evenly and walk home. Mm. Um, but, you know, we, they ran that race and the three trotters were, were outstanding. Um, they, they trotted through the whole lot, um, you know, and he thrived in it. He pinned the ears back at the top of the straight and, mm. you know, ran down the outside and, you know, just beat uh, a pretty handy horse in on advice for Blake Fitzpatrick. And, mm. you know, we were over the moon, owners and connections were all over the moon. And, you know, he, he's done a real good job considering he was an orphan foal and was yeah. raised by the Dowie, which was, which was great. And, um, you know, he backed that race up this year with uh, – Winning the Breeders' Challenge, or Trot New South Wales as they call it now. Yeah. Uh, he won again as a three-year-old, and that was fabulous. Um, so, you know, we were, we were over the moon with him, and he had a little bit of a stout of colitis six weeks prior to that win and um, spent some time at Agnes Spence Veterinary Clinic. But he's bounced back, and uh, he's having a little bit of a rest now, and we'll uh, aim him up for the Breeders' Crown later on in the year. He did well to get over colitis extroy. That is a very, very serious illness. And uh, there have been many horses over the years that haven't come through it. Yeah, definitely. He, you know, he was tough and, you know, the guys at Agnes Banks did a great job and luckily I sort of got onto it pretty early. And um, mm. you're right, there's quite a few horses you hear of getting it and uh, unfortunately for unknown reasons, they suggest a multiple things cause it. Um, but, you know, we've had two. Uh, our, our rising 12-year-old idle hands went through it Mm. Um, years ago and, and now a fair to cover. So uh, luckily it's only the two and they both pulled through and both bounced back into winning form, which was great. Now to the horse who's done more for the Troy Williams stable than any other. You went to the APG sale one day at Inglis's historic Newmarket site. You had no intention of buying a horse, but you came away with a $7,000 yearling filly by grin from ear to ear from a village Jasper mare, essentially pacing bred, although her dam was a half-sister to a great trotting mare, La Cucaracha. Now, when you got her home, you had nowhere to put her. What did you do? Uh, we sent her to mum and dad's out at Bathurst. Um, my uncle Graham Betts uh, broke her in as a pacer and uh, mum actually owned a tail at that point because I didn't have enough money to pay for her when I put the hand up in the ring. So mm. I rang and said, you ain't a tail, mum. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, we, we, we paid her back and uh, Graham broke her in as a pacer and, and then dad uh, trained her out on the, the old Bathurst track there. And we give her a couple of starts as a pacer and, mm. you know, she, she didn't do much, to be honest. She sort of dropped out and she wasn't that that good. And anyway, we purchased the property here at South Windsor and, 
decided to bring her back here and after a break and worked her up and you know the mile track at Hawkesbury she she used to cover some ground there even as a pacer and you know I remember working her one day with an old trainer by the name of Colin Edwards and Mm. you know she worked uh, extremely extremely well and you know all reports we were all talking you know we think she'd win when next start and we took it to Dubbo and Mm. John she got beat by nearly 100 meters and she never she never put a foot wrong and we're all baffled and I sort of half got the cranks with her one day and went out to full stretch galloper and uh, even as a two-year-old and she wouldn't come out of a square gate trot and um, she worked some pretty quick sectionals trotting as as an early two-year-old and um, we thought oh well now's time to change and and see if we can sort of turn her into a trotter and you know it was never looking back from that point. Mm, Unbelievable. Uh, Jeff Webster was telling me the story about a great trotter that he had called Mr Zion uh, who started life as a pacer. Very similar thing happened, Troy. Went out to galloping one day and all he did was trot and trot quick and Jeff couldn't wait to get back to the stable to put a set of trotting shoes on the horse and the rest is history. He won that horse, by the way, Mr Zion. He won a Group 1 race as a pacer and a group one as a trotter, which could be a record. Yeah, definitely. Um, there, there's a few that do it. Um, you know, there's obviously Iona Grinner and, and that horse, and, you know, you look at horses like uh, Drop the Hammer that raced last night. At there's Mandel. another one, yeah. A lot of group group races, and there's been mm. quite a few that, um, you know, have done it, and they've raced and won races as paces and then turned around and, and won them as trotters. So mm. um, the, the great thing about it is, you know, probably in the old days, John, if they couldn't pace, we'd probably move them on. Mm. Uh, but now there's, a, there's an option, you know, some of them can trot. Um, there's the life after racing with the New South Wales ra- uh, homing um, process that's been set up that uh, we can do all that sort of stuff, which is which is fantastic, you know. Um, mm. Life after racing is a really positive thing for our industry and, you know, a lot more people are going to jump on and support that program. Well, the name for your trotting mare, Iona Grinner, wasn't hard to work out because uh, the Iona comes from your partner and Grinner, of course, from the sire's name, Grin from ear to ear. Uh, again, it doesn't matter what they're called when they just keep on winning. No, no, you don't worry about names. Definitely, if they're if they're producing the results. But yeah, I, I didn't know early days whether that was a bad omen or a good omen to to name her after the the wife. But uh, mm. you know, she done a stellar job, and um, you know, she'll be here forever. She's she's currently in foal, and um, you know, she she brought some of the highlights to us, and really you know kicked off my career as a trainer, and um, you know, to win group races with her, and I think over twenty odd. Uh, 20-odd wins and a lot of placings and 260-odd thousand in prize money. She, you know, mm. she's a stable star for us and hence the name Grinner Lodge Racing Stables of, of what we operate under today. Oh, I'll bet. Now, Troy, just for those thoroughbred people listening in uh, who may not realise how tough and durable these harness horses are, I own a Grinner, and we're talking about a mare, not a tough old <laughs> gelding, a mare. She had 210 starts. 23 wins and 38 placings, and she just went on and on. You drove her a few times to win. Robbie Morris drove her often, and so did Brendan Barnes. Yeah, yep, definitely. Um, 
yeah, we had she had quite a few drivers, and uh, and that wasn't probably through a lot of choice. It was through the fact that a lot of those people that drove also trained trotters. So, you know, she was she was such a beautiful horse to drive, John. You you could sit on her, and um, you know, she'd do what you you ask her to do. And you know, she finished in the top three. I think you suggested there fifty odd plus times. And mm. you know, if you you took a top five into account on how many checks she earned she was yeah. well up there in her percentages and you know that's a stellar horse in my eyes and you know yeah she didn't go on to win a group one but you know she won group twos group threes placed in group ones and yeah. you know it, she was a she was a champion to us and, and still is mm. now you mentioned she's in foal troy and she is in foal to the great french trotter to moco a dual winner of sweden's famous elite lop so you'll be stunned if this foal can't trot. Oh, absolutely! You know, so uh, we we thought we'd go to to the Swedish breed, and you know, Tomoko obviously I think still sits at the you know number one richest trotter in the world in terms of earnings, and uh, done a great job with dual elite lops and a lot of Group One wins, and has produced a lot of winning winning foals. So um, I think suggested by Yabby Dams, there's only possibly four or five mares that are actually in foal because the semen was late to arrive in Australia and we were patient, mm. we waited and she was served on, on Christmas Eve and fell in foal luckily straight away and, you know, she's the first one to fall in foal and, and hopefully, you know, she produces a nice a nice uh, foal and uh, we'll aim to uh, put that one through the yearling sales in a few years' time and, mm. you know, I think I think, in my opinion, she'll do just as good a job in the yearling sales and the parade ring as she did on the racetrack. Let's get the unpleasant stuff out of the way first. In sure. March of this year, your property at South Windsor was inundated by floodwaters. The experts said you'd have to move the horses once the 15-metre level was reached. Now, when it got to 13, you panicked and you decided to evacuate the horses, and this is when you found out uh, the tremendous generosity and compassion of uh, fellow industry members. They came from everywhere to help. Yeah, they definitely did, you know. It was one of those decisions that we, you know, made made the decision probably just in time, John, Um you know, I'm a bit of a knockabout sort of bloke. Oh, she'll be right. You know, we'll be okay. Um, but I thought, you know, I've got a lot of other lives at risk here, and in terms of our animals. And um, you know, we made a phone call to David Watson at Club and Angle, and uh, literally he said, "Yep, come straight down." Uh, and after talking with Rob Morris and and Kerry Ann, they were here within an hour with a ten horse capacity. And, oh dear uh, me. We- Mm. Yeah, we got 15 horses out um, pretty well straight away and um, luckily we did because we wouldn't have got them out within a couple of hours. The water obviously came up a lot more and um, we, we were lucky compared to a lot of other people in terms of our damage, but it was more about getting those animals out. You know, they're our lifeblood of our industry and also, you know, you know we love them and we, we wanted them out. They, they didn't need to get injured in the process. So, um, you know, we got them out quick, made the right decision, but the support and generosity from everyone, not only those select few, was, was outstanding. You know, the support and the offer for help um, was outstanding. So, you know, we, we really appreciated that. You've driven in many races over the years and you've driven your share of winners and you still have an occasional race drive. 
but you're one of those trainers who tends to use the drivers who were going around all the time, the ones with match practice. Is that your theory? Definitely. You know, I I like to drive here and there to see how a horse is. You know, if they've been doing a few things wrong, I like to drive them and just sort of get a feel for them under race conditions to see if I need to make any changes here or there. But I don't class myself as a driver by any means, but I love it. I love to go out there and just have a have a bit of a whack around here and there. But I leave it to the professionals. They're you know they get they get the respect out there. They um, they've got their eye and they've got the reflexes. Uh, and you need you know race conditions and racing regularly to do that. And you know I, I put you know some of the best on, and you know they give me the results that I'm looking for. Um, mm. You know I've got an answer to answer to owners. Uh, in regards to training horses, I don't need to answer them in regards to driving as well. I'll leave that to the drivers. That takes a little bit of pressure off me, John. <laughs> oh, it takes a heap of pressure off. <laughs> Troy, you've got another advantage over many trainers, and that's the use of an amazing 1,600-metre training circuit adjacent to the Hawkesbury Racecourse. In a nutshell, the area is owned by the University of Western Sydney but is leased long-term to Harness Racing New South Wales. Now, the track is maintained by a committee of local trainers who pay track fees to cover the cost of top dressing and the upkeep of a water truck. I believe the track underwent a complete resurfacing recently. What did that entail? Yeah, we put uh, about 500 tonnes of top dressing on it, um, probably about four months, five months ago. Um, of which took a little bit of time to sort of bind in, mm. um, but you know it's it's if it's not the best training track in Australia, you know it's it's unbelievable. It's a mile track. It's got four hundred meter straights, four hundred meter corners. It's sensational for babies to get them gated up. Uh, it's outstanding for our trotters um, because they have got those long straights and big winding corners. Sometimes it's a little bit hard when you work on a mile track to come back to a half mile. Mm. Um, but, you know, they get used to it and, you know, but to, to train them, get them ready to go to the races, um, you know, you can get a horse ready to go straight off that mile track, straight to the races without even attempting to go to the trials. It's just, you know, sometimes it's not necessary unless you have to. So, um, you know, it's a great track. It's maintained well. Um, the committee do a, a really good job to sort of upkeep it and do what they can, as do Harness Racing New South Wales with their support to to make sure that for the 40-odd trainers that we have trained out of there, um, the facilities are sort of up to scratch. They're basic, by, you know, they're basic. It's float in, tie up to a rail and go. But, mm. you know, it's, it serves a, gre- you know, a great purpose for sure. How many horses would you say are in work on the Hawkesbury track? Oh, I'd have to be 150 plus, John. Um, you know, they've got the advantage of it is it's you know it's turnkey for us, and you know we can go in 24 hours a day, and there's some that do. You know, some start at three or four o'clock in the morning, but you know, a trainer like myself, I can go in and out all day, and I'm not hindered by anyone or or any time restrictions. So um, that's the best thing. Um, you know, but yeah, there'd have to be over 150 horses floating through there at any one point of time. I mean, I was there on Saturday morning, John, there would have been 40 odd horses tied to floats, mm. tie up rails, trees, you know, that's the environment it's in. It's a great sort of banter system between all the trainers oh, there. Yeah. We had a lot yeah. of fun and it's fantastic. It's not uncommon to see two groups of horses working simultaneously half a lap apart. In fact, I've seen three groups on occasions. Oh, definitely. We we, uh, 
we work in opposite directions there as well. So, you know, if you're warming up, you go in the opposite direction to raceway and um, which you turn to do your work. Um, you, you could have sometimes four to six groups of horses working and uh, it all works out quite well. And I think it's it's good for the babies too. They establish a bit of, a bit of difference, a bit of change, and they're used to those sort of dramatic changes in the environment versus sort of, you know, getting the norm and then going to a race meeting and shying off things here and there. We've got we've got lots of different horses on the track. We've got plenty of wildlife with the snakes and kangaroos and, mm. and there's plenty of tree shadows, so it, it helps acclimatise the horse for sure. Oh, absolutely. And in, at the height of summer, it's not uncommon to see three or four red belly blacks and the occasional brown on that track as you're warming your horse up. Yeah, yeah. I've had a couple of close calls. Mm. Um, but yeah, you just got to keep your eyes out for sure. But no, there's plenty of wildlife. They've got uh, lots of anacondas that float through the grass there. <laughs> we'll just pause for a moment to clear a commitment on the podcast, Troy. We'll be back with you in a moment to learn a little bit more about your earliest days in the harness racing sport. Harness Racing New South Wales has established a much-needed initiative to help harness racing participants who are struggling with personal issues through these tough times. It's called Mates for Harness, and it offers a helping hand to anybody struggling with the ravages of drug or alcohol abuse, domestic violence or mental illness. Mates for Harness is there for anybody needing a helping hand. The support group is headed up by the very experienced Morris Logue, Chaplain Colin Watts and a sports psychologist Oliver Britt. Ambassadors are on standby all over the state. In the metro area, it's Darren Binskin. The Hunter, Peter Allen. The Northwest, Leanne Flower. The Western Districts, Amy Reese. The Riverina, Seren Adams. And the Far West, Steve and Marie Robinson. If you need to talk to somebody, Mates for Harness can help www.matesforharness.com.au or ring Morris Logue on 0400 984 193. You don't need to be alone. Talk it over with a mate. My special guest is harness trainer Troy Williams, who's a dubbo boy, born 40 years ago in a great trotting town. Now, Mum and Dad, Gary and Judy, have always been devoted to this sport. Both have trained successfully. Mum was an outstanding secretary of the Dubbo Harness Racing Club and your dad left his mark as a race caller around the Western Districts. I imagine you would have heard him many times as a kid. Yeah, definitely. Many times. He, he, I think he called greyhounds. He, he called racehorses and a lot of the trotting races for sure and um, sat up in the box with Dad many a time. So, yeah, he used to call quite a bit. Um, I think there's been actually a circumstance in, in recent years where a particular race caller couldn't get to the Bathurst track and Dad had to step in, All, although be it very rough at the time and uh, very long out of practice, he, he didn't do a bad job. Yeah, it's something you've got to be doing all the time, mate. It's like race driving. Definitely, for sure. Yeah. So, but no, no, they uh, they used to love it. They um, they've always been about the horses, and um, you know, whether it be secretary or, or race caller or working bees or, or things mm. like that. Back when I can remember as a kid, anyway, you know, they've they were they were catering for many years at the old track under the grandstand in the in the bistro. There, you could go and get your your mixed grill or your roast dinner, and mm. um, they did that for a lot of years. But um, now they just obviously watch watch us kids go around and uh, watch the horses and dad still has a hand in uh, 
training one or two here and there, and it was great to see him get a winner at Parks the other night. Mm. So, you know, very good to see. Good on you, Gary. Well, you drove mum and dad's horses quite a bit in the early days, didn't you? In your teens, in fact. Yeah, definitely, yeah. Yep. Dad had probably at some stage threes and four horses in work and I used to do a lot of the driving for him and drove a little bit of freelance back then but um, then opted to sort of – mum and dad moved to Bathurst actually and uh, I stayed in Dubbo for work commitments for a little while and uh, then I uh, I moved to Brisbane and, and sort of took mm. the career path on um, and was probably out of the game for about 15 years, John. Oh, yeah. Uh, focused Yep. Uh, a logistic career in supply chain and, and warehousing and uh, and transportation. So um, that was sort of – I always kept a, a slight interest in the horses and mm. slipped out to Redcliffe or Albion Park here or there while I was up there. But mm. the opportunity came to, to move um, back down to Sydney for work and, and that gave us the opportunity to obviously purchase here and get mm. back involved with it. Yep. When your family moved to Bathurst, you stayed in Dubbo, but your siblings – Casey and Aaron went to Bathurst with them and they both became drivers. In fact, I think they still compete, don't they? Yeah, yep. Um, they were both – they both drove a few and um, I think Aaron actually – Aaron was in Queensland for a little bit with uh, Luke and John McCarthy and then he moved back down here with them and uh, went on to David Aikens and, and started up doing his own with breakers and training and, and he's back in Bathurst now and um, trains a few and he got a winner the other night as well. So we're all sort of getting winners, which is fabulous. Uh, Casey sort of, she's she drives here and there uh, and trains one here and there, uh, but obviously she works full-time as well. So it's probably more so a hobby for her. Just to emphasise the depth of trotting blood in your family, You've also got an uncle and aunt in Bathurst who are very well known in the sport as Graham and Monica Betts, and I believe three of their five kids train and drive horses. Yeah, yep, yeah, they do. I think they all, probably all the kids own horses, and um, but Phoebe and Jake and, and Jed and that, they're all, they're all got a hand to play in it for sure, and young Phoebe drives quite a bit uh, and drives pretty successful and drives a lot for good trainers out there, so... Um, but Graham's still driving around. I don't know how after quite a number of race balls, but uh, he still boxes on and gets his winners as well, which is great. So, no, it's definitely a, a family affair for sure. Now, you met Iona when she was a member of the New South Wales Mounted Police. How did you two meet? Uh, Mum and Dad actually run a catering business as well, and um, we were catering for the New South Wales Police Force uh, they had a program to take back over the mountain for the uh, the V8 supercars and um, had 500 odd police officers out there. We were actually uh, we were actually feeding them um, and uh, met met her through that after uh, after it was all over. Went out and had a bit of a party night with the with the police force and uh, yeah, we met through that and um, kept in contact through when I was living in Brisbane. And she was in Sydney and mm. um, obviously that's what came about to to move to Sydney. But um, yeah, yeah. I, I met her basically feeding her and unfortunately I'm still cooking for her, John. <laughs> She's obviously not listening. Now, <laughs> did she have any interest in harness racing, Troy, or did she have to learn from scratch? Um, no, she she didn't really have any interest in – obviously loved the horses through the Mounted Police and she's always had horses, but um, her father actually – had had horses with uh, with Jim Bennett years ago, mm. um, but yeah, no 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 connection to the harness racing for her, and didn't really interest her. But um, 
she's had to, unfortunately, for her her sake. But um, no, she's she's here all the time and and really gets in and, and supports me and probably the backbone of uh, our business, to be honest with you, John. And mm-hmm. um, you know, yeah, she does a great job and, and and supports us through it and and supported me obviously in the the progression of taking on because it was a. It was a sort of big decision to make to take it on full time, but um, she backed me, and you know we, we're getting the results now, which is which is fabulous. I'll say you are. Now you and Iona are the proud parents of six-year-old Charlie. Surely, <laughs> to goodness, Charlie's got an attachment to horses. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I've got I've got three kids, two from a previous, and uh, they love the horses as well, and. Um, then Charlie, Charlie's here, obviously twenty four seven, and um, you know she loves the horses. She's got herself a little pony and uh, rides it and drives it in the sulky, and um, no, she's fabulous. She she gets out and helps tip feeds here and there, and uh, it's it. Look, it's a family affair, and uh, you know if it wasn't, you probably wouldn't do it, John. Mm. Oh, that's been the that's been the basis of this sport down through the generations. Definitely has for sure, and um, you know. I think the the good thing is through those uh, mini trotting channels, which we all generally started in. We all we all started in the mini trotters, even if we're harness racing community or not. That's able to bring you know outside communities and friends and family of harness racing people into the sport, and mm. hopefully that's what leads us to the future through our progression. And um, you know we get more new blood into the industry, and um, you know I think you know we're starting to see some results of that that appearing, which you know young drivers and, and trainers that haven't had any background mm. in harness racing starting to have that established. And, you know, it, uh, obviously through the mini trotters, that's proven a successful you mm. know, opportunity for them. Now, the two children you mentioned from a previous marriage are teenage girls. Uh, names are Brianna and Bridget, and they both live in New Zealand nowadays with their mum. Yeah, they do. So they're they're over there. They're they're having a ball. They they love New Zealand, and um, yeah, it's a little bit hard under the current um, pandemic and circumstances that you know we haven't been able to travel, or, or they haven't been able to get out here. And it's been almost eighteen months since we've seen them. But thank God for Facebook, and uh, thank God for uh, all the video conferencing. Um, that really helps as well. But you know they're over there and they're enjoying life and growing up way too quick. Your fondness for the Square Gators has led you to an important administrative role as president of the Trotters Association of New South Wales. You put a lot of time into it, but you enjoy it, and you're greatly encouraged by the mini resurgence of trotting in New South Wales. Yeah, definitely. I, I took on a, I think, a vice president role when this new committee was forming um, with with a committee of strong influences in the in the trotting game and the trotting ranks in Blake Fitzpatrick and, and Robbie Morris and Joe Rando and uh, Flora Robson and a, and a few others that sit on that committee. And, um, you know, we're very passionate about the trotter and um, we actually strongly believe it. It's not that we go out there and speak it. We just strongly believe that this is the future of our industry in Australia and around the world for that matter. And you see statistics around the world start to increase in the, in the trotting ranks versus the pacing ranks. And uh, in other states, it's definitely, you know, come about. And in this state, since, you know, we've been driving it, you know, a lot and it's growing, it's growing. And I, I, I sincerely, you know, would encourage anyone to, to get a trotter. It's, it's a, it, you've got to be very patient, John, by, by no means is it a, is it a go out on the track and win a race scenario, but, um, 
I think it's the future of the industry. Um, you know, trotting breeding numbers can continue to increase. Their racing numbers continue to increase. You know, in the future, hopefully, we get more prize money increases, which encourages more trainers to convert. Um, but, you know, looking at the overall product, when you've probably got a pacing industry that's probably on the slight decline, but your trotting is on a massive growth, then capture it by the arms and jump on board and, you know, hopefully then the future is there and a sustainable operation in harness racing continues. Troy, I wanted to tell your story on the podcast because it's obvious to all who know you that you're driven by passion and trotting continues to survive because of people like you. Thanks for your time on a podcast produced by Supernova Sound and keep those winners rolling in. Thanks very much, John. Thank you very much for your time. Trainers strive to have horses spot on for race day. Fuel cells up, the right mental state, the right fitness levels. Equally important is the horse's capacity to recover quickly from racing and track work. The aim is to give owners every opportunity to win optimum prize money by keeping a horse in training for as long as possible. High Gain Recuperate is a powerful blend of electrolytes, B-group vitamins and vitamin E in paste form which can be administered after fast work and in the days leading up to a race to assist recovery. 30ml of Recuperate drawn from the 500ml bulk pack is the economical alternative to individual electrolyte and vitamin paste syringes. High Gain Recuperate powers performance and recovery. Visit the High Gain website and use promo code johntap.racing to receive 15% off your next Recuperate purchase.